We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's three guys who combined to play 15 seasons in the National Football League trenches. Well, two guys. And Mackey, who didn't do shit. He just, he just sits there and looks pretty. This is the O-Line Committee. I'm still trying to wrap my head around uh, off our last film review at the end. You guys both said you hit over 700 on your Peloton 30-minute rides and how... Oh, he did. I absolutely. Did. So you've never hit 700, but Jeremiah has. It was a, it was a Hidden Hills class, 741. Is, is there like an instructor that's guiding you, or are you just like yeah, head down? Ben, it was Ben Benadias or whatever his name is. He's my guy. Ben Aldis. Ben Aldis. Ben Aldis. Ben yes. Ben's army, music. dude. Yes. Yeah, he has the dude. best music. So we did. We used to have a crew that would ride together at 530 in the morning. Me, Danny Woodhead, Danny Woodhead's couple brothers, and a couple other guys here from uh, Lincoln that we'd all ride together. And we, me and a guy tied. Like we were, we were the ones that we go for, it and we—I mean, I was out of commission the rest of the day. Like I threw up in my backyard. Jesus. Like I couldn't move. Like I was dead. And I'll tell you this: I've never come close to that number again. I've scratched seven hundred a couple times, but I've never come close to seven forty again. My God! See, people Bro. think offensive linemen, yeah, they're just these big lugs. That actually, this is a good segue into our first dumb football question of the episode. Ooh, I love it. Uh, which, by the way, we do these dumb football question episodes. We do film breakdowns. This is uh, a relatively new channel here on YouTube and a podcast, The O-Line Committee, the only show in America where an idiot fan gets to sit down with two former NFL offensive linemen and just sling questions at them. So if you could click the like button and the subscribe button on this YouTube video, you can help us spread the word and grow the community, spread the lifestyle of offensive linemen. So... um the first question, we've had a few variations of this just kind of come in, and so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sum it up into how do offensive linemen lose so much weight so quickly after they're done playing? And I, and I have an example for you guys. So Russell Okung, did you guys see this post from him? That. Yeah. So he says, and it, he's got like the before and after picture, former, former lineman, 330-pound NFL player, right? The journey from being a 330-plus NFL player to 100-plus to pounds lighter has been unreal. A new me, a new chapter. The number one question I keep hearing is, how did you do it? Answer, I fasted for 40 days with nothing but water. Yes, you read that right. The experience was so rich and rewarding. I'm going to do it again. 
and he kind of talked about like the spiritual experience of it too. Fasting isn't just about weight loss. It's about regeneration, healing, self-discovery, quieting my physical hunger, help me unlock mental clarity and spiritual revelation, a total reset. Just water for 40 days for Russell Okung, and he loses 100 pounds. So, I don't know. Alex, you, God, you're like, you're I'd training. I'd rather die. I'd rather <laughs> die. Sirs, I'll let you go first. I'll let you I'd go first. I'd rather die. Dude, uh, 40 days of just water? Absolutely not. Listen, there's two trains of thought of when you're just losing weight from former planes that I've learned. One, there's like outlier. You have Russell Okun that's like, I didn't eat anything for 40 days. Good for you. Nick Hardwick's another great example, right? Nick Hardwick played 11 years, and we talked with him when he was at our camp. He was like, my whole goal was I'm going to strip it down to the studs and then build it back up, which meant he was just going to lose a lot of weight, not worry about muscle mass, just strip it down. I think he got down to like 220. And then he started building muscle mass back up, and I think he sits around like 245, 250. You know, the way that I've done it is you know, I still enjoy being a big guy. I still want to be 260, 265, 270. So I've just been cleaning up my eating. I still lift rather heavily. I still like to lift, and then like I'm just trying to build muscle mass and lose fat over the course of time, which is eating clean, tracking my food, going on walks, low-impact stuff like the Peloton, where like I can't really run or do any of that because my knees hurt. You know, so for me, that's just kind of, it's kind of been a slow burn of like, I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. And it's ups and downs, you know, but there's guys that like Marshall Yonda, Joe Thomas, that just, it just falls off of them. I've never been a guy. I've always been 275, 300 pounds. Like it's hard for me to just say like, oh, it's just going to fall off. Or you're like Alex, you just run triathlons and be a psychopath. Yeah. You well, uh, <laughs> swim with sharks in the Bay Area. That'll be, let me get. But let's yeah, be honest. This isn't our last O-Line Committee podcast because Alex right? is swimming with the sharks this weekend. So that's this weekend, right? Yeah. It's Sunday. And you, we did talk about the 18-year-old kid who jumped out of a cruise ship and just uh, came face-to-face with a shark. Did you know there's sharks in that water, Alex? I'm not sure yeah. if you... They sent out a lot of emails letting us know how shark-infested it is. It's right <laughs> underneath the Golden Gate. They're like, it's actually one of the biggest shark-infested... But the truth is, I'm only doing this race because Mama Bear's doing it, and I can't let anything happen to her. So I'm basically trailing her like Secret Service the whole time. <laughs> and yes, I will have a diver's knife with me, and I swear Stop to God, it. if I see anything bite or come after her... I'm going to draw blood first. I promise you I will. I am not afraid. Would you use the knife on other contestants in a close no. uh, a close race? I literally told you I am focused on one thing, making sure mama gets out of the water. Once she's out of the water, I'm back into race mode because I get to get on my bike, and I'm so excited. But I think the most important thing is people don't understand why guys are taking this weight off, and they don't understand how broken we are and how it's just not fun to walk around at 320 pounds all day. It's uh, so much on your body. But more importantly, it's good to be healthy like we just came from a lifestyle that you were constantly pumping your heart with how many supplements right and you're constantly riding the wave of the ups and downs and now all of a sudden you're like I can't continue to do this every day I can't continue to eat like this I can't continue to just sit around and squat heavy weights my knees can't take it my hips can't take it I think a lot of guys do go seriously drastic like they go crazy with it like 40 days of just water and Jeremiah knows how much of a psycho I am like I went keto at one point during my career but like to not eat for 40 days is that can't be healthy for you and i'm just gonna say that like your body needs jesus did it he was also a god okay (laughs) he he was special okay the rest of us are not okay and that's why i'm like i'm telling you your body also didn't have to deal with complex carbs back in the day i don't think so jesus could also just be like hey dad come down here real quick right like (laughs) you got me 
<laughs> at the same of- time, like when you don't eat for 40 days, that can't be good. And that's why like, it's great to talk to guys. Like when you see like Joe, when we talked to Joe, we were like, Joe, you look phenomenal. I mean, the guy had more veins in his calf than I have in my forearm. I was like, this is unreal. And he was just like, dude, it's all about eating healthy. He's like, I just stay away from the carbs. He's like, I'm a big keto fan. And then I just walk on the treadmill and it's like he walks at an incline and so now he's just constantly sweating off all this bad stuff and so if you're not pushing the carbs with the fat you're not really having to deal with all these issues anymore yeah what so what does what does eating because eating clean can mean a lot of different things what does eating clean mean for you guys no i I track i track my food like so i weigh my food out i have a macros that i hit like i want to hit like it's 250 grams of protein 300 carbs and standard 70 fats right so and that comes out to be like 2700 calories a day you know, so you kind of figure out like, okay, what is my metabolic rate? Like, so I burn 2,500 calories a day just existing, right? And then if I do something workout-wise a day, try and get up to about 1,000 calories burned, then that means I'm at 3,500 calories. I'm sitting at like a 700-calorie deficit. And then you just stay in that deficit, right? You just got to stay in it for extended periods of time, and you'll end up burning fat and gaining muscle. You know, so that's the, that's the approach that I go with. And to be fair, the, the way that Nick said it is the best way that I've always been taught is that if you are going to build muscle, you take it down to the studs because once you lose all that weight, your body is constantly fiending for something. So you're constantly throwing a ton more protein and then you throw more carbs and you start lifting and your body just blows up super big. And I will not be this thin very long. I am done being this thin. I am going back up to Jeremiah's size. Like I can't be the smallest guy in the room anymore. I'm like, I walk in these rooms, I'm the thinnest guy and I'm like, God, I feel like such an idiot. Jeremiah the, even what, laughs at me. What are you at right now? Can I ask? What's your weight right now? Like two fifty. I'm not even kidding. I'm like two fifty. I was this big in the fourth grade. <laughs> but dude, that you, was the, that was the last time I was two fifty. The fourth well, grade. What's crazy? So this is this is like 2019. It's like probably four years ago. And I remember you and I you and I got lunch for the first time uh, since we had done some radio stuff together. And we went we went and got lunch together. And I remember like, whoa, dude, you you were because you were training for triathlons and stuff. Yeah. Actually, you, you had done like a Navy SEAL training or some oh, crazy thing the, in uh, San Diego. The 52 hours at the Navy SEALs over in Temecula. Dude, it was okay. incredible. But, but then but then you went you then went back. You wound up putting weight back on and then getting signed by the Seahawks like a year yep. later. Yep. So you actually went down and then back up within a year. And now it looks like you're back kind of down. back to where you were. Wow. Yeah, I know. Crazy. It's hard. It's not hard. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to call out Russell Lacombe. I think he cheated somewhere in those forty days. Dude. You telling me you didn't you didn't grab a little uh just a little corner slice of pizza, just a little something in those days. I mean, 40 I can't days. imagine the deliria that you would be in day thirty of not I mean, eating I've food. Done, I've done cuts where I've been eating like eighteen hundred calories a day and I was miserable. First of all, my wife hated me because you're just grumpy. Yeah. Like you're just grumpy and like I had to apologize to my kids all the time because I had like a like a tiny fuse trigger, right? Like anything happened and I just went off the rails. Like I could 40 days, dude, 20 days in, my wife would be like, go live outside or something. Right. Like I get the spiritual thing. I think that's awesome. I'm all about the spiritual yeah, thing, getting sure. closer with that. But like, there's a, there's a line Goggins. Okay. Listen, I, I, I need to, I, I need to get closer to deep dish pizza. Calm down so. Goggins. All right. Okay. Uh, next dumb football question. You can submit these just like Israel did here. Israel Morrow. Just send us, dumb football questions in the YouTube comments, tweet them at Phil Mackey, uh, Twitterless Alex. And then what are you? Cyril was Cyril 71 underscore H S K R. Yeah. Hit us up with dumb football questions. So Israel Morrow says, what is more difficult as an offensive lineman blocking a big space eater, like a Pat Williams type or a quick twitch rusher. 
probably different. You guys tackle guards. There's probably different answers here, but. Uh, Jeremiah, you want to take it on as a tackle? Yeah, I'll say as a tackle, you would much rather have the space eater. Right, like the space eater, you know, a guy like a Dean Lowry from Green Bay who is going to be a big power guy, you know, versus a guy like Von Miller, right? Like those quick twitchy guys because we're big guys, right? If we can beat those guys to the spot in a pass rush, then we know they're going to run into our chest. Like we're big enough, we know we can sit on it. But it's the guys that can run around you like you're standing still or do that ghost rush where they're in here one second and gone the next that cause the most problems for me at least. Um, when I was a tackle as a run game, like love the little guys in there on a third down that think it's a pass rush and you run a quick duo at them and a double team like an Ed Oliver or a Grady Jarrett and you catch them. That's when the good things happen. But I mean, from a guard's perspective, too, but I'll let you take it. But like those quick guys in there can cause problems. A lot of problems. And that's why they're bringing them in now. That's why this is where I see the game going is that these defensive ends, and that actually starts to make sense the more you think about it, why tackles now are being moved inside because they've played in space. They have speed. Now all of a sudden these defensive ends are moving inside. So now we have to move our tackles inside. The When I came in the league, it was big, heavy dudes. Kevin Williams, Pat Williams, Seymour, big Vince dudes. Will Vince Wilfork. I played Vince Wilfork one time. Dude was hilarious. Snacks. Snacks. Oh, Snack. Hey, snacks. We snacks. on today? Nah, man. <laughs> like, all right, cool, man. Cool. Appreciate it. But then you'd like line up against a guy like J.J. Watt. And there was no talking. And you knew his quick burst was so fast. And instantly in your mind, you go from like playtime to like serious time. And your mind starts to get like, I got to get off the ball. I have to pay attention. I have to know what's going on at all times because I have to get off the ball right now. If I miss a step, I'm going to be late. I'm going to get in trouble. He's going to hit me with a bull. He's going to go inside. Like, You get a big, fat, hefty dude in there, and you're like, bro, I'm (laughs) setting right here, and these hands are coming for your face. It's that simple because you know like, their swat's going to be like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, like you get Aaron down on there. It's, it's like a, you're like, what did he just hit me with? Some, where did he go? Wasn't, wasn't Aaron Donald last year? Wasn't he like training? He was like with hand real fighting knives? a guy yes. with like the, with knives. Yeah, like okay. It's like no, they're real. fake. No, they're not. They were real. We all know. I they mean, you they weren't real. Stop. You are it. such a liar. Stop it. That dude no, is a no menace. chance in hell. Those were real. All right. I'd bet my house on it. Yeah, you've played them. And you tell me how yeah. fast those hands are. Like they're going against real knives, right? All of a sudden, your you. mind starts to go, maybe they were real. His hands are yes. pretty fast. He has extremely fast hands. It's incredible. But no one in their right mind is going to be like, hey, hold these buck knives and let me see if I can just slice my forearms open with one misstep. Yeah, how, how do you I'm explain, telling you, if, if you're the If you're the trainer guy, how do you explain that to the Rams front hey, office? I just after? slit eight tendons in my <laughs> forearm trying to be a badass on Instagram. I'm telling you, no. dude, you can say what you want. I, I'm the, he is phenom with his hands and his feet and he gets an attitude and it's yeah, like he's it's the game best. I mean, and that's why best. you when you line up there you're like nope nope this is going to be a long day as opposed to a big space eater that's not going to take up a lot of edge work he's just going to try and run through you and jeremiah and i both appreciate it guys who try to bull rush you first you're like all right simple keep it simple buddy mm-hmm. uh, okay uh, next one comes from immk here on youtube the next mm-hmm. dumb football okay. question okay okay this is probably right in Jeremiah's wheelhouse here. You can take it wherever you want to. What is the player-agent relationship like? So some, some other dumb questions within this, he says. How often do you talk to your agent? What kind of information do they share with you? How do players select an agent? Oh, geez. Uh, this is right. great. Might be, we have to do a full Everyone, episode on this someday. So, yeah, but so every agency is different. 
right? We, we kind of break it down into there's three types of agencies, right? There's the lawyer types, right? And they're usually attorneys. Some are at working, practicing law terms, and they just focus on, hey, I'm a contract negotiator. I can negotiate big deals, da 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 you know, and they really hang their hat on that. Then you have the ones that are big in sports marketing, right? Like my whole goal is I'm going to get you off the field stuff. We're going to build your brand, build your social media, like all of that. And then you have the very few and what I would classify myself on our agency as the football guys, mm-hmm. you know, guys that truly understand the game and truly have a, a grasp on what the game is and what it takes to play in the NFL and a mentorship role, you know? And so our, my relationship with our clients is very personal. Right. I would say I'm a very involved agent. You know, I talk to my guys weekly, right? Weekly during the season, during the pre-draft process, usually daily, right? In some way, shape or form, you know, so we're talking all the time. And then when it comes to selecting an agent, really, it's there's a lot of agencies out there and it's really what's just the best fit for you. And everyone has a different fit. There's some guys that truly just want a business agent, right? They just want to be like, listen, you negotiate my contracts. I'll see you in four years. If something happens, call me. Versus there's other guys that are like, man, I want a friend. I want a mentor. I want a guy that I can call at 2 in the morning when shit's going down at a bad practice. I think I'm getting cut or whatever it might be, and you can just be a sounding board. I know you're not going to bullshit me. You're not going to lie to me, right? Like, those are the type of things that I wanted as, as a player. You know, I, Alex, you might be different in what you wanted, but that's what I look for in an agent. I wanted a personal relationship with my guy because I had to trust that at the end of the day, he had my best interest in mind, not his bottom line. And so many agents are just about their own 3% and what's best for them. I don't think you can get to know that unless you have a true personal relationship with your agent. I couldn't Alex. agree more. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I know I had several agents in my process, but I only had my situation was obviously different. Like I had the Charles and he was my sounding board. So he was constantly him and I were always constantly, but it goes back to the same thing. When you're trying to find an agent, you're trying to look for somebody that has the same values as you, right? Like, like Jeremiah said, there's three different sides. The one's, the lawyer who doesn't even really care about you or ever want to talk to you. He just wants his 1% for doing the deal. The other kind is the guy that's like, Hey, I'm gonna throw a bag of money at you. You just show up and work out and do your thing. And then there's the third, very few kind. They're like, Hey, listen, we're going to put our arms around you. We're going to walk you through this. We're going to show you how it goes because while you may be a big fish in a little pond, you're about to be a tiny fish in the biggest pond. And you're going to need a friend in your back corner because a lot of times Jeremiah and I would hear it all the time in the rooms. Guys would be like, dude, I talked to my agent. He said, things are going well. And we'd be like, have you watched the film? Mm. Are you playing, are you playing the same damn game that we're playing Bubba? You are the problem here. Well, my agent said I'm the man. I'm I'm good. Like, dude, <laughs> who the hell is your agent? Dude, I could have told you that was going wrong. And at the same time, it's like, I think, and I've always, I stand behind this, that I think Jeremiah is one of the finest agents because he is so smart and he's navigated himself through these rooms. I don't understand. I mean, I know why there's not more players that come back to do this because it is extremely competitive and it's extremely hard and you're on call all the time and you have to be there. Like we get phone calls all the time from kids like, Hey coach, this, this, Hey, all right, here's what you do. Or, you know, you go back and you talk to him about this or ask your coach this, be vocal to start talking. Whereas before, when I was in my prime, I called my agent one time and I was like, hey, I want to, can you set me up? Because we were going to try and go to New York. And I was like, hey, can you set me up with some Jerry Seinfeld tickets? Because he lived in New York. Two agents. One was like Mary J. Blige's manager and Nas's manager. So he was a big deal. And they both called me back and were like, yo, you're on your own. Click. I was like, aren't you my agent? Aren't you supposed to be there for me? Aren't you supposed to have my back on this? Like, you can't even give me tickets. Yo, baby. I just do your contract and that is it. I'm not here for wow. that nonsense. I'm not here for all this. And you're like, 
is this guy for real right now? Did you see the size of that check I just wrote him and he just hung up on me? I was like, are you out of your damn mind? I will kill you if I find you again. Like, it just makes you mad. And then you're sitting there like, this is the guy negotiating me? This is the guy backing me up to the GM? Boy, I wonder what he's saying behind my back. Because you know once that door closes, he ain't your friend. He's the GM's friend. And he's agreeing with whatever the GM's agreeing with. GM's like, hey, listen, this guy's just, you know, he's average. Your GM's, your, your agent better be the guy that's over there. Like, no, my dude's the best. And I'll tell you why. Here's why. And that's why I love Jeremiah, because he can revert to exact play numbers in exact games on dates and be like, yeah, well, we saw on play 55, he threw the shit out of his hands. And you know what? The next play following up, he threw him again. Like, instantly, you have more credibility, and instantly you become this agent that has cares. And I watch my players. I remember one time... My agent called me and was like, we had just played Carolina, and we ended up losing 10-7, to 7, that Luke Keekley game. And I gave up a sack, and Frank hit me in the side of the ribs and knocked me off the block, and the dude like came through. And so I was talking to Chuck after the game, and he was like, hey, man, that was a great game, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, yeah. My agent calls me, yo, baby, that was a terrible game. Just terrible. My God, I can't believe they didn't put you on the bench. What? I was sitting there, I was like, your agent saying that to you? I go, are you out of your mind? He goes, yeah, I saw that sack you gave up, babe. Oh, my God, it was awful, awful. I was like, I got knocked off by my running back. Oh, oh, I didn't see that. I'm like, instantly, I'm like, you don't even know what football is. You've never even played football. How can you back me? You're literally in a room, in a cold, dark room against these guys. When you meet these GMs and these coaches, you had better be at their level. You have better been able to be like, yo, I sat in these rooms. I know how it goes. You can't bullshit me. All right. We know the film. We've been watching the film. And there's just not enough agents like that. And that's my biggest pet peeve. It's one of the reasons I got into the agent game. You know, I feel like there's not enough accurate representation as far as like, lending football and business right like because everyone's like well you didn't go to law school how could you ever i was like we don't yeah. i don't have to go to law school where's my where's my cba i have a giant <laughs> cba in here that's the only rule i need to know it's a big right. book that's known as a cba that is the only law that i need to know we studied it and i know it inside and out like that's what you need but going back to kind of the agent thing like there's big agencies that have a ton of resources that represent like i said mary j blige and golfers and mlb stars whatever and some guys love that and that's fine it's all about what the player wants and that's the one of the hardest things that i've had to come to grips with in this in this business is when you lose out on a kid it's not really losing it's just it wouldn't have been the right fit right, right. and that's a hard thing to do as a competitor right because the competitor in me is like i lost i did something wrong what didn't i do did i not offer this did i not talk about that what did i miss and a lot of times the kids like it was just a gut feeling and i just felt more comfortable with this other agency Right. And so that's a big piece of the agency, too. Is it's a lot of gut and just like, again, a personal connection, which is what we try and build with all our guys through the recruiting process. And then while they're in the league and while they're out of the league, too. Is it I mean, is it is there a certain stress? I mean, the answer is probably yes, because you're building a business. But when you're in, when you're new to the agency world and you don't have a client base of 50 established guys like you're building a business, what what is that stress like of being an agent for the first time and building a business you're trying to get, I mean, John Michael Schmidt, second round, boom, huge step forward, right? But like that whole process, how stressful is it? Extremely. I don't know how you get into the agent game if you weren't like somehow connected to the NFL already, right? Like I sit with these kids and I talk to them about what the NFL is now, but like if you just like come out of law school and you're like, oh, I'm going to be a sports agent and you start recruiting guys and they're going to be like, well, who do you talk to in the NFL? We're like, well, I'm getting there. 
You know, it's like, oh, okay. Versus, like, do you want me to call the GM? I played for the I played for the head coach of the Bills. Like, I played for the head coach of their um, the Giants. Like, the coaching connection. Like, I have instant credibility with these kids because I wore the shield. I put my hand in the dirt. Right? Like, I don't know how you – the stress level of trying to build this because it's an extremely high financial investment on the front end. I tell yes. people all the time, being an agent is a higher form of gambling. Right? It's a degenerate gambling. Like, I bet – $30,000 on you that I can feed my kids. Right? That's essentially oh. what it comes down to. And so you, you really have to be selective in how you pick guys and how you evaluate guys. And you see guys all the time that get into this business for two, three years and sign guys and think it's going to be great. And then all of a sudden they're $150,000 in debt in this thing because no one made the team because you only get paid if your guy makes the team. Yeah. And then they're out of it. Right? Like it's a very quick turnover job. And so it's just something you got to just kind of weather the storm at the beginning, build your client base with the right kind of guys, the guys that you believe in, they believe in you. And then you just kind of step by step, year by year, grow it. I want to meet Alex's agents, man. That's what I want. I just want to be slapped in the face with disrespect, rejected for ticket requests. (laughs) What a a great thing. He had, what, three agents? Four? (laughs) Yeah, three. Because that's the other thing, Mac. You can fire your agent. Quit calling me, you clown. You can fire your agent at any time. Well, that's for because, any, dude, for any reason, like what, you send him an email, like you are no longer my representation and you can sign with a new agent. Five is that awkward? Later. Like is fired? No. Do they get offended by that or just happens? All oh, the yeah. Time? They try to call you right away. But and it was what easy happened, for guy. Well, it was easy for me because my first agent ended up taking on our GM and our head coach. And I remember that people in my corner were like, hey, Bubba, I'm going to give you a quick word of advice. They're going to last a lot longer than you. You need to get rid of that agent because he is never going to give you a boon friendly deal. It's never going to happen. So I fired him, and they were like, oh, you're looking at this all wrong. Ended up being great. Went with, But I had my Jeremiah. Like, I had an agent like Jeremiah the entire time. The guy that knew everything, that we talked every single day. Like, Jeremiah talks to his guys every day. And my agent at the time talked to me every single day. And he was just kind of like the guy that – I don't know how to explain this, Jeremiah. Without it's a sounding it. board. He was you our sounding a, board. You yeah. need your like sounding the agent board. did his job. He did his financial duty of going in and talking. But when it came to like doing stuff that agents do, that all went through Chuck. And that was like Chuck was the only one talking to us. And Chuck was the only one calling me. But we talked every day. And I sent him film every day just like Jeremiah does. And that's how I got to play so many years was it's not just the coach in the room and your friends that are around you giving you advice, like trying to be your friend. It's a guy that was completely off the walls. It was like, no, I did notice play 15 and it looked like shit. What do you got to tell me now? And I was like, hey, you're right. I should have stepped a little bit more. Yeah. And I also play 17. Like we would go over things and it was, but it was this constant, like coaches coming at you, Chuck coming at you. There was no plays or anything that got missed because everything was getting cleaned up at once. And it was it was great for me, and it's great for Jeremiah's guys. It's what they need. It's what these kids need when they go at the next level. You need you more to, advice. You have to create a team at the next yes. level for everything, whether it's on the field, off the field, financial. Like You have to have a team because if you start trying to do it all yourself, you lose focus of keeping the main thing the main thing, which is football. And as soon as that all starts to slip, nothing else matters. Nothing. You can have the coolest website, the coolest brand of all time. If you're not performing between the white lines – Nothing matters. So we're we're big on having teams within teams, right? Your your inner circle is going to be all your advisors, and you have to trust all of them. But no one should wear many hats, right? No. Let the experts in their field be the experts in their field. I'm no. never going to be like, oh, I'll handle your financials too. I don't have a freaking CPA degree. No, let me handle football. <laughs> you want let's 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 do marketing here. Let's do this like your real estate stuff. Let's find a guy for that. You want to like you have to have a team like Alex said so that nothing gets missed. 
in a in a, in a razor thin margin that is the NFL. If something gets missed or something doesn't get taken care of, you're either cut, released, and the dream is over. You got to take it. You have a seven, six to seven year window, really, to try and make as much money as humanly possible. You get seven plus. That's just icing on the cake. You have a six to seven year window to really take advantage of being in the NFL. You have to have everyone in your corner, three sixty five for that entire time, in order to take the most and squeeze out the most money you can. And that's where you learn how to take criticism. It's from your team. Everyone's constantly throwing stuff at you. And then you start to learn, like, this isn't so much negative as much as it's just something that needs to be cleaned up. I'm a professional. I need to be acting like a professional. So when the minute they're like, hey, this step right here is supposed to be six inches. It looks like it's only four. You're like, you're right. I need to clean that up. It's not like, God, why is he dragging on me about these two inches? It's like, I'm a pro, right? And so, and I always felt great because, like, I would leave the, the team rooms and the coaches were like, oh, it's a good game. Most of the time, it's a great game, right? But every time I called Chucky, it was like, we got these 30 plays to look at. I'm like, 30? <laughs> Damn, coach said there was only two bad plays. Damn, 30? Okay. And then oh, you sit there and you Chuck. listen. But it's, it's what makes it great for later because now all of a sudden I step into Chuck's world and he was different. He was the guy that could see everything. And so it was instantly we were walking into his world. And that's how I started to be like, oh, this is what coaching's like. You're seeing more than even my coaches are seeing. This is incredible. Like he was like, dude, perfectionist to a T. Well, it's that one-on-one attention, right? Offensive line coaches have 13 guys in the room to handle. They got to coach everything. They got a game plan. Like it's hard to sit down and truly grill an individual approach on a week-by-week basis where you got to – grade the last game, prepare for the next game, and everything in between. Like That's why having your own personal team inside it is so important for personal growth. Yep. Super insightful. So uh, IMMK. Okay, mm, hopefully that. Mm, we can do okay. deeper dives on this because obviously like Jeremiah is immersed in this yeah. on the agency side. So, yeah, if you guys have, you know, if you have agency questions that won't get uh, these guys completely blackballed from the rest of the agency world, then fire them our way for... For Boone dumb can football questions. I won't. I'll answer all of them. A lot of we should, we can have like Jeremiah, like, we can have him, what are those, like, Dateline episodes where we It'll just be one of those ones where, like, you ask like, a yeah. question, it's just like, <laughs> back when I thought that this was. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's really tough uh, yeah. in the agency world. Is that Kermit the Frog? Oh, yeah. the jig's up, Frog! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please click the subscribe button and the like button if you uh, if you enjoy these dumb football question sessions and uh, help us grow the O-Line Committee, an offensive line lifestyle podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for hanging. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.